What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. Welcome back to another episode of Kiasunomics podcast. I've been in Singapore for 10 years and being in a multiracial society, I see that anywhere I go, any HDB buildings, you see a very proportional mix of Malays, Indians and Chinese living in them. Uh, This is not by chance, it's by design. Uh, when I compare this design to, say, America or any other country, let's take India, where you have enclaves of Muslims living in one area, Hindus living in one area, Sikhs living in one area, and new entrants will, by default, pick the areas where they want to live. And that design extends to people coming from one state, they congregating in one building people coming from Uttar Pradesh or Bihar, and different people just congregate among the people they know or like. In America, we have seen similar evidence that there are black enclaves and Mexican enclaves and white enclaves and Asian enclaves. And in some sense, you might think, oh, this is good. They know each other. They like the same food. They like the same habits. They like the same things. But over time, we have seen these kind of enclaves create racial tension uh, and also discrimination and other discomfort in society. So at the creation of Singapore, apparently, the creators thought very hard about it and said, let's create a society where there is mixing even within the residential level and that will create harmony among children to play together that will create harmony among adults and people will learn about each other's culture food habits and languages and there'll be better integration so i mean this is all this all sounds good but let's see what happens about this or what are the implications of this kind of policies on Singapore housing market. I mean, we know broadly in these kind of uh, policies that the, that the Singapore government has, which is the integration policy of uh, within a block or within a building, around 80% are Chinese, maybe another 15 to 20% could be uh, Malay and uh, another 12% could be Indian in terms of how, who they sell to, okay? Not uh, otherwise the numbers won't add up to 100. So the question is, how do people decide to sell their apartments? Who do they decide to sell it to? And what kind of a price do they get? Because in some means they're forced to sell to certain ethnicities. A Chinese is uh, forced to sell to Chinese. A Malay may be forced to sell to a Malay to keep these ratios the same. So today we have uh, Professor Sing Tian Fu, who is the head of the real estate department at the NUS Business School, who has a very fascinating paper on this topic, 
to discuss this with with us welcome tianfo right thanks uh, sumit let's start with understanding the background of this policy and then tell us more about what excited you to study this question as you mentioned earlier on in the multiracial society like singapore i think having these multiracial uh, living together is very important i think i think it's important to have this social network and affinity at the same time we do not want to see this segregation or congregation of particular ethnic group right i think this is one of the reason why this uh, singapore they introduced this ethnic integration policy and try to limit the having you know in the hdb having the single group of race to to concentrate in in one neighborhood so in a building block so this ethnic integration policy currently uh, set some quota on at the neighborhood level and also the block level for example in for chinese uh, race uh, the neighborhood level quota is 84% and block level 87% what does it mean is that you know when you reach 87% in, in this particular building block a new chinese buyer cannot buy the same building from minority because by buying from minority that will exceed the quota of 87% i think that this deliberate policy to first thing to ensure mixing but at the same time they do not want to have, see concentration of particular ethnic group especially in building and neighborhood level so this ending integration policy also apply to minority like malay indian as well because malay the the, the quota is 22% at the at the neighborhood level about 25% at building level and indian as well 10% at 30% level so this is interesting as we mentioned the us they think this policy people tend to want to live together uh because of the affinity uh any affinity or because of the amenity in the area when you have a lot of indian a lot of malay in particular neighborhood or even chinese they tend to attract a lot more amenity related to the particular uh, any group chinese amenity indian amenity or malay amenity so they actually command a premium it's not new because in the us they already find some positive premium for being live uh, being uh, want to live near a particular any group because of this amenity effect also social network effect and this study is mixed the study differences and i should mention just now when you sell your houses what will be the uh, preference what is the impact on when you sell when there is a any matching there is a quota restriction imposed on this matching so so essentially what you have in mind is then you will look at buildings where they have reached the quota yeah. and then you will look at that marginal sale that goes above the quota by a chinese or a malay and an indian right. because now they are forced to sell that house to within ethnic group a buyer and then you want to see what is the price they will be able to garner for that is there a premium or a discount yeah. i mean it could go either way yeah. essentially that's what you're arguing so tell us what data did you have to use for this kind of exercise and what yeah. was the baseline result yeah i i mean you uh, you are right because i think that uh buyers to seller any any uh, background is very important the matching or the you know the cost ethnicity transaction so we use this very interesting data set where Uh, in hd in transaction public housing transaction whether uh, buildings or whether unit commands a premium uh, or not depending on the other than the building attribute i think this amenity is important there this we we collected this data set uh, not just a price we 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 know 
what they call in, in local term, they call cash overvaluation, COV. Uh, basically, is how much the price, the buyer willing to pay above the valuation price. Valuation is the average price, market price. Why do you want to pay above valuation price? There may be uh, property attribute is attracting the buyers, or, or there may be this any affinity as well. So this is a data we use. Other than the, uh, this COV data, we also have this very unique data about the individual buyers' ethnicity. We know the, uh, the buyers' background. We also constructed an uh, interesting data set on the block level concentration by race, different race, Chinese, Malay, Indian, and at the block level, neighborhood level, and so on. And we look at those uh, buildings and block. Uh, in block where there's a binding constraint, in other words, you have reached the quota. What do you do? You know, do you pay a uh, higher premium to transact? with the same race or do you, do you choose to transact with other races as well? So in the first cut of result, when we look at the evidence, we do find consistent result when the, at, the, at the block where there's high concentration of particular any group, the same any group will tend to pay a premium because of the affinity of the, the social networks and other amenities as well. And then those without constraint, the premium is there but slightly lower. But more than that, we, to, we also look at further uh, uh, evidence by looking at repeated transaction. Mm. When you are the buyers, first buyers, and the second time sell, uh, seller, who is who? Who is the second time seller in terms of race? Their ethnic group background. So we find that uh, there's high percentage of within ethnic transaction. Not Chinese to Chinese, Malay to Malay, Indian to Malay, uh, Indian to Indian. But interestingly, uh, even though it's a high percentage or high concentration of this within any uh, group transaction, but we find there's the difference in terms of the price they pay or the premium. For Chinese, within Chinese to Chinese transaction, there's a, they command a premium uh, in, the, in the transaction. But for Malay to Malay, there's a discount. Uh, when Malay sell to Malay, uh, even though there's uh, a quota constraint for Malay, in fact, for Malay, because of quota constraint, they, can even, they, they, they have an option to sell to Chinese who can pay a high premium but they choose to sell to others, uh, Malay ethnic group, at discount. So that actually caused interesting kind of uh, contrast when we look at this uh, question. Because for Chinese, you, you, know, you pay a premium. Uh, why are they not uh, selling to Chinese who are willing to pay a premium? So we investigate further. We collected another set of data, look at who are the agents uh, actually transacted this, uh, help them to uh, do this intermediated this transaction. We find that this, in Singapore, is very interestingly, in Singapore, the agency information shown that agents tend to specialize by any group. There's a large proportion of agents specialized by any group. In other agents, well, Malay agents specialize in transaction of this Malay transaction, Chinese probably with Chinese, Indian, and Indian, and so on. But we find that there's a strong correlation between this agency, uh, agent uh, network of or affiliation or net, any network as well, social network. So because of this, agent social network, they tend to actually uh, lead to the within any city transaction, but at a lower price. So because in property market, unlike capital market, property price is very, very imperfect. So this social network by the agent actually lead to this transaction uh, discount uh, in the Malay any group kind of transaction. But we didn't see this uh, in Chinese to Chinese transaction. So, so let me understand this because this is a lot of material. What you're saying is when a Chinese, in a non-binding quota, sells to a Chinese, yeah. the Chinese buyer is willing to pay a premium. Right. When a Malay 
in a non-binding quota building sells it to a Malay, even though they could have sold it to a Chinese and commanded a premium, they sell it to a Malay at a discount. And you're saying the reason is not because they think they want to attract a Malay, it's the intermediary, which is the agent who is guiding that transaction to another Malay. And even though the seller is losing uh, some money, maybe one or two percent in the transaction. So what is the incentive or <laughs> the reason why the uh, agent is behaving this way? Yeah, uh, because we we really, we find that the evidence is that, you know, even though uh, Malay feels there's a binding constraint when they sell to another Malay yeah, in, the, in the any constraint uh, building, as you say, they should have easily sell to another Chinese yeah. who are willing to pay a, a premium. You know, but uh, but what we see this high concentration, a high number of uh, transactions by Malay group, which is within within the ethnicity group. So that actually causes us to think further into into this. As you say, when we look at the agent who actually helped them to close the deal, this agent, in fact, they also have their own social network mm. because their client are mainly the same ethnic group. Malay Malay agent tend to actually deal with Malay buyer and Malay seller. I think that actually reduce uh, some of the transaction costs for them to match these Malay to Malay buyers instead of like trying to sell the unit to another Chinese or non-Malay. Non I see. So it's about ease of transaction for yeah. the agent right. and maybe the quickness of doing the transaction within the Malay community, even though the seller may be taking a little loss, yeah. the agent's incentives may be misaligned in this kind of transaction. I right. see. I mean, this is fascinating. I mean, this kind of work to study, this requires a lot of very micro analysis of the data, detailed looking through various aspects of the data. You're looking at the policy change that happened. Yeah. Essentially, you're looking at the ethnicity, you're looking at the, at the housing uh, data, and you're putting it all together to statistically kind of tease out right. some cool results. Uh, again, for the audience, I mean, this is really uh, very nice work. You should read the results in detail to understand what the authors did. Uh, I want to thank uh, Professor Tianfu Singh to discussing this with us uh, in as much detail as we can on this uh, short program. Uh, thank you, Tianfu. Right. Thanks for We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.